I'm Scott. And he's Scott. And I'm still Scott. There's, what, that's at least three. No, you're Scott. Okay. And you're still Jesse. So, you ready for my news that'll blow you away? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. I'm I'm so ready. There's a podcast, um, I know you're not um, as exciting excited about podcasts as I am generally, but <clears throat> I think this one will make you go, wow! Okay. Okay. Um, one guy who really hasn't had any audiobooks out um, ever, as far as I know, but probably really deserves it, is a guy named Samuel Delaney. Ah, yeah. You know, uh, you know who I mean? I sure do. Samuel R. Delaney. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I have not read basically any Samuel R. Delaney, but um, thanks to a podcast called A Bite of Stars, A Slug of Time, and Thou, uh, there is a his first published short story available. Ooh, his hey. Nebula Award-winning story called uh, uh, I and Gamora, which is a really amazing story. I was really oh, amazed by it. Not, I am uh, thoroughly thrilled but with the with the podcast about it too because they talk about it in such amazing insightful ways it's like yeah this is this is how to explain sort of arty science fiction really really mm. and I've I mentioned the the podcast on the website before um they did uh-huh. a Philip K Dick story that every every show they they pick a story to read from or a couple chapters to read from. They did a John W. Campbell couple chapters from uh, his um, short story, or I guess novella, of um, uh, what's it called? The Thing from the Another World? What's it called? Oh, Who Goes There? And um, they talked about that for... It's like an hour-long show or so. And it's uh, done out of um, UK, London's uh, London radio called... Um, Hmm. What's their radio station called? Well, BBC. anyhow, no, it's not BBC. It's um, it's one of those indie radio stations. Um, uh, eluding me at the second, but I'll I'll put a link to it. Anyways, it'll blow your mind. Really good well, reading. That's great. I'm really I'm, really I'm amazing. At the website right now. Yeah, and really it looks amazing. Pretty Sorry. cool. Yeah. It's um, it's totally not what you think science fiction is, but it's science fiction in every respect. So, I'm wow, look at that! They did uh, so. Episode one was who goes there. Mm-hmm. Episode two is Fritz Leiber's A Pale of Air. Right. And episode three is Segregationist by Asimov. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is great. And um, the only the only thing I was a bit worried about was that. Um, they were abridged, and sometimes they don't do full readings, I guess, because they don't have the time. So mm-hmm. they just did a couple chapters of uh, Who Goes There. But in this case, I, I looked it up, and it appears to be a full unabridged reading of of the Samuel Delaney story. It was the last story in the first Dangerous Visions by Harlan mm-hmm. Ellison. Uh, have you got a copy of that? Of Dangerous Visions? Mm-hmm. I do not. Okay, now I've never even seen a copy of it. Uh, in uh, yeah, real life. I used to have one a long time ago. You know, who okay. knows where stuff goes, but um, but I don't currently have one. Okay, well, somebody stole it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because they they didn't want you to have those dangerous visions. <laughs> That's right, because they're you know dangerous. That's right, and they're visionary. <laughs> so uh, yeah, right. it's um it's an amazing. Uh, podcast. I'm going. Well, to I'm, I'm going to subscribe. It looks great. It. Yeah. Sign me up. The only thing that bugs me is they they don't announce the name of the story uh, at the beginning. They just, <coughs> um, you know, give the name of the show and then they start reading, and um, that makes me go sort of uh, a little. I feel all at sea. I don't know what to do. <laughs> We talked about a fellow named Orhan Pamuk. Mm-hmm. Um, you brought him up a couple of podcasts ago, and uh, we had an audiobook come in. It's called My Name is Red. It's from Random House Audio, read by John Lee, who is really great. 
he read the uh, the uh, fourth novel of the Song of Ice and Fire series. So that's how I know him. Mm. Um, but anyway, he's very good. Um, should I read the synopsis here? Please, because it's not a, not a typical thing. From one of the most important and acclaimed writers at work today, a thrilling new novel, part murder mystery, part love story, set amid the perils of religious repression in 16th century Istanbul. When the Sultan commissions a great book to celebrate his royal self and his extensive dominion, he directs Enishti Effendi to assemble a cadre of the most acclaimed artists in the land. Their task is to illuminate the work in the European style. But because the sorry, because figurative art can be deemed an affront to Islam, the commission is a dangerous proposition indeed, and no one in the elite circle can know the full scope or nature of the project. Panic erupts when one of the chosen miniaturists disappears, and the Sultan demands answers within three days. The only clue to the mystery, or crime, lies in the half-finished illuminations themselves. Has an avenging angel dis- discovered the blasphemous work, or is a jealous contender for the hand of Inishti's ravishing daughter, the in- incomparable Shikur, somehow to blame? Orhan Pamuk's My Name is Red is at once fantasy and a philosophical puzzle, a kaleidoscopic journey to the intercession of art, religion, love, sex, and power. That sounds pretty That's good. It's the back. You know, um, I, I'm thinking when you were reading that, I was thinking about, um, it says, there was a line near the beginning of it saying something about um, depiction of, of something. Read that again. But because figurative art can be deemed an affront to Islam, this commission is a dangerous proposition indeed, and no one in the elite circle can know the full scope or nature of the project. Yeah, figurative art. Figurative art is what it says. Yep, because figurative art. Mm-hmm. So figurative art is what uh, what got that Danish newspaper into trouble, I guess, a few years ago. Uh huh. Yeah, Remember you're that? you're depicting you're depicting Muhammad in any way, as far as I understand it. You're right. Not allowed to do that. But maybe it's not just a Muhammad. Maybe it's like uh, a bunch of guys. Could be. Yep. Could be. Um, which I think is kind of interesting because if you think about it, how many movies have there been about Muhammad? As far as I know, um, zero. Um, yeah, I can't. How many movies have there been about Jesus? Plenty. About seventy-five, you know, yeah. major Hollywood <laughs> productions. Um, and uh, I, I, I think there's even been one of Buddha. Um, I think uh, starred Keanu Reeves or something like that. Oh. I'm, I'm, I could be wrong about that, but um, I think I think it's kind of. I'm so glad I missed that one. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It might have been good. I don't know. Um, but the 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 point is is um I think it's it's kind of interesting because um it it seems to be sort of a, a detriment to spreading the uh, the um, the popular image. Don't you think? Well, yeah, um, you know, yeah, Christianity doesn't have that. I'm not sure what the logic is. Um, it's probably something yeah. like, um, you know, the don't get your, put your idols in one basket or whatever. It's I don't know. <laughs> um, keep all your idols in one basket. No. Um, Why well, it, it's probably what's an affront, anyways? That means uh-huh. it's bad. Affront means bad. Next, we have. This one came in. It's called Para World Zero by Matthew Peterson. Um, it appears to be a self-published audiobook on uh, MP3 CD. Um, anyone who wants to check it out can go to uh, paraworlds.com. P-A-R-A-W-R-R-L-D-S dot com. And... Um, Anyway, it's got, you know, all kinds of uh, kudos on the cover and stuff like that. Um, Harry Potter meets Star Wars, mm-hmm. says one reviewer. So um, it, it, it appears to be a YA science fiction fantasy. Yeah, it looks, uh, I'm looking at the art for it, and it looks very uh, Harry Potter slash Star Wars. Somebody's got uh-huh. like a light lightsaber sort of thing 
and she also has like bunny ears or something. Oh. And somebody has green hair. What's that? What's the description? Is there a description on the back? Yeah, there sure is. Um, Twelve-year-old Earthling Simon Kent stumbles upon a secret that thrusts him into a bizarre adventure filled with magic, technology, and deadly out-of-this-world creatures. He discovers a true friend, confronts his inner demons, and becomes the savior to a particular race of people when all he truly wants is to find his way back home. Parallel to Simon's adventures is a mystery involving a cat-like spy and a magical swordsman who both struggle to maintain peace among the para-worlds. But evil lurks in the unexpected places, or in unexpected places, and few people can be trusted. Their paths ultimately lead them to Simon, the one boy who might be able to prevent the biggest assassination attempt in the known universe. There's a video trailer on the website, too. So, maybe we'll put up a link to that with the the, uh, new release post. Yeah, Audible sure has exploded, haven't they? They really have. Yeah, this week uh, I noticed that they've put out their um, a really solid collection of John Varley titles. Oh, John Varley this week. Even a couple of short ones. Um, The Persistence of Vision was there, and uh, Press Enter was there. Uh, Press Enter sounds very familiar. Maybe it's been released yeah, it, previously. It won, uh, it won a Hugo or a Nebula. I can't remember which one. But, um, hmm. yeah. And then they've got, you know, The Wizard and, um, well, it's not The Wizard. It's just called Wizard. Wizard, Titan, and Demon. Actually, it goes Titan, Wizard, Demon. That's one, two, three. This is science fiction? Yeah. Well, yeah, science fiction or fantasy. You know, I'm not sure. I never did read them. I just but noticed that uh, uh, there's a new book with the title "The Forever Wore Out," but it's not Haldeman. Uh, it's a, I think it's a book about Iraq. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh, I'm seeing the the Varley stuff now. Ten hours, fifteen hours, nineteen hours. See, this is the problem. Books get longer and longer as they as they go. Ten hours, mm-hmm. fifteen hours, nineteen hours. It's like let's add another half, you know, five hours to, you know, point. It's increased. Basically, by fifty percent per release. Oh, look! Status uh, civilizations up. This is the new um, uh, Wonder Audio release. Robert Checkley's new novel. Oh, well, it's not oh, cool. a new novel. It's an old Robert Checkley novel. Will Barrett has no memory of the murder for which he was convicted. He will now have to live his life sentence on the prison planet Omega. The few that survive there do it by committing crimes. And the more adept the planet inmates are at a higher crime, the more they climb their bizarre antisocial ladder. They all must live in a society where drug addiction is mandatory, as is the worship of the Dark One. And Dark One is capitalized. Uh, Barrett's goal is to find why he was sent to this mad world, to clear his name and return to Earth. But bef- but first, he must survive, for a life sentence on Omega is usually a short sentence indeed. From no- 1960. Um, I did not proof listen this one, but um, I think it's going to be awesome. I really like Robert Sheckley. Sheckley's got this sort of uh, very... Uh, tongue-in-cheek style of writing, even when he's he's writing a serious novel. So it's like inter- it's entertaining because he's he's always constantly poking fun at at um, the society that you know <laughs> he's writing about. Yep, I yeah, really terrific. love Sheckley. Sheckley's uh, great. Should be really terrific. Read by Mark Nelson, yeah. so it's going to be a solid read too. Just just added to um, the Audible catalog is Accidental Time Machine, which I, I I don't know if I mentioned I had finished, but I have finished it, and I'm going to write up a review for it very shortly. Um, but I'm mm. also noticing, just added last week, um, Sly Mongoose, which is, uh, I think, the only uh, Tobias S. Bacall audiobook to be released, full uh, full novel-length audiobook. This is in his... 
is his ongoing series of it's like a universe um um i don't know it's like a caribbean influenced um science fiction universe sounds really cool i've i've heard lots of interviews about about his um his stories or his novels anyways um some of his short stories were actually rather good and uh i guess one of the earlier ones i didn't particularly care for i I, it was fine, but uh, just the novels sound really interesting. And uh, it's it's funny they didn't start with the first one in the series. They started, I guess, with the most recent one. Uh, but it, mm-hmm. I'm told that they you don't need to read them in order. They're just um, set in the same universe. They're not sequels at all, mm-hmm. which I think is probably a really good idea. Yeah. Narrated by Jonathan Davis. Mm-hmm. Can't so, get better than that. He's one of my absolute favorite narrators. Um, does it, really is like that him. Audible Frontiers? Yes. Uh, Macmillan. No. Macmillan. Macmillan. Oh, great! Yep. That means maybe they'll they'll do the other ones. I bet it's I bet yeah. it's exclusive though. I bet it's exclusive to Audible. A Macmillan exclusive to Audible. Yeah, it doesn't say that anywhere, but um, I don't think the other ones do either, do well, they? We'll have to do it. Macmillan any- has been publishing quite a bit uh, on Audible only. Mm-hmm. Um. Old Man's War, I think that's another one that's uh, Macmillan. Mm, yeah, you're right. That was the first first one um, on Audible that we know of. Um, Camouflage by Joe Haldeman. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, Audible Frontiers, uh, read by Eric Michael Summerer. I think we just had a really nice uh, audiobook from him, and I can't uh, the uh, narrator, um, and it's not. Ring a bell. Which one? I think it was a Robert Heinlein one. There's one review up for it. it says loved it. Let's see what they say. This one I picked up on a whim, and frankly, I had a ton of credits, and none of my norms was grabbing my interest. This is very well written and narrated, and simply a lot of fun to listen to. From the beginning to a little more than halfway into the book, they jump back and forth in time, chapter to chapter, which really adds a lot of fun to this. Book. First chapter will be about finding the object at the bottom of the ocean in 2019 and setting the plot for the current timeline of the book. The next chapter is about ch- challenging out of the ocean in 1932 and becoming human. Hmm. I don't want to read any more in case there's spoilers, but um, Joe Haldeman. It's basically uh, a blind listen. You just buy it and get it because it's oh really yeah. Good. Um, it's got a ship, yeah. a, uh, I guess an old ship, uh, sailing ship on the cover, so maybe it's a, a sort of historical influenced one. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Yeah, it does. Still rang, you bet. <laughs> I was floating around on uh, Netflix, and mm-hmm. my daughter was here, my eight-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, Netflix has this thing now. If you if you're a subscriber to Netflix and you're getting their DVDs, you get to play a lot of this stuff for online, which is included in the subscription price. Mm-hmm. So um, they had the Adams Family, um, the old Adams Family DVD set. And you, mm-hmm. you could play it without ordering it, you know. Mm-hmm. So we watched the first episode, and she absolutely loved it. Really? Yeah. So she digs black and white, then? <laughs> didn't mind one bit. She That's didn't even mention really that. That's really surprising. Kids kids yeah. are usually, like, freaked out by black and white. Uh-huh. No, she didn't even mention it. She just watched it, and, gosh, That's we laughed. It was fun. Great. You should, uh, should get the whole thing. Maybe I will. Why not? You know, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't buy many DVDs anymore. I, I watch plenty, but I don't buy many anymore. Well, you don't need to buy it; you can rent it. Yeah, rent it one yeah, just uh, get it from uh, Netflix and stuff, and that way, when the new format comes out, whatever it might be, I'm not uh, <laughs> committed. <laughs> huh. That'll work. Yeah. Oh, you think there's going to be a new format uh, past Blu-ray? There's uh, going to be new formats forever. Yeah. You think? Oh yeah. 
I'm thinking maybe we're going to be seeing the end of that. And then it'd just be delivered uh, through cables? Just digitally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would I would call that a new format, though, but you're right. I do think mm, is so. Is it a new format? But money, money is still going to change hands, though. I mean, you're going to still have to purchase something. So if you... If you've got this, uh, you know, like how many times have I bought the Star Trek movies through the years? Too many. Um, too many times, yeah. Well, yeah, so I, yeah, well, you know, actually not that many when I think about it. <laughs> how many formats have there been? Well, you saw it what, in the movie VHS theater. VHS and DVD. VHS and DVD. Yeah, and you saw it in the um, movie theater. Yeah, and that too. And yep, maybe you so got it on Laserdisc too, if you were like me. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't, I skipped the Laserdisc thing. Um, so, yeah, went straight from uh, VHS to DVD. You know, but I, I, I agree with you that, you know, hey, it's all going to be delivered digitally. In fact, you know, um, there's been, you know, a lot of houses built around here, and uh, people are always coming to me and, you know, wanting to wire it. You know, they'll ask me for advice on how to wire it for computers and stuff like that. And they always bring network cables to wherever their TV is going to be, because mm-hmm. I think uh, we're not that far away from... Um, in fact, we're already there. Netflix is selling a box right now, and so does Apple. Apple has a thing called Apple, Apple TV. TV. Yeah, yeah, and Netflix sells a thing. I forget what they call it, but um, it connects all these shows that I just mentioned that you could play for free if you're a subscriber. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play through this box. So, um, yeah, so it's already there. It's already there. Um, but yeah, I, I would see, but still, you know, the money has to change hands. I'm not sure how ownership's going to work. Well, that's um, not really what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just talking about mm-hmm. the, um, the fact that I, I don't think formats, the, the major, going to be the major issue. Um, mm-hmm. like, um, last, uh, last weekend we were, wa- we were going to watch, um, the movie, um, The Thing, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um. One of the people, I couldn't believe this, but they hadn't seen it, and they wanted to watch it. I, I thought, what, are you crazy? But anyways, um, uh, hopefully she's watched it since then so that she got her money's worth. But she rented it through mm. iTunes. Um, and she's in New Zealand. Mm. So it's not that it's not, that it's not available uh, in many formats. It's that why would you go through the hassle of going down to the store, renting it, um, and then bringing it home and then bringing it back when you can just download it in one click. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing preventing people from doing that in mass, I think, is quality, video quality. Well, presumably it's, it's, it's okay, and uh, it's going to get better. Yeah, it's going to get better. There's, that, that's guaranteed, but right now it's not. I don't it's know. It's nothing to uh, be at home about. I, I mean... Yeah, if you want HD or whatever quality, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, but there's something, you know, I don't I don't have a, you know, gorgeous television or anything, you know, I don't have an HD TV or anything like that, but you know, when you're watching something on DVD even on, you know, the TV that I've got, the experience is so much better than uh, a download right now. But like you were saying with uh, with the um things you can, you know, you set top box. Um you've got a, a uh an Apple TV, it downloads to that, and then you're watching it on the television. What's the difference? Right. Yeah, I, I don't know what the difference is. I would, I would have to assume that the video quality is not very good. I'm just judging from. Um, I'm thinking that that's you know, not true. I'm thinking that that's okay. not true. I, I'm yeah, that, thinking the quality be, is. I need to, I need to as check good it out. as DVD or. Um, I noticed um, The better. Office is one of my favorite shows ever. And uh, it just got it got put back on iTunes. NBC and iTunes or NBC and Apple were having uh, a tiff, and and NBC pulled all their stuff last season. And uh, now they're back, huh. you know, with little fanfare. I haven't even seen anything in the news. It was all in the news when they pulled out. Mm-hmm. I didn't see anything in the news when they came back in. But what's interesting is the difference between now and then is now, like The Office, for example, you can buy it in HD. Or in standard, so the standard is two bucks an episode, and the HD is three bucks an episode. And um, isn't it like a half so hour? So if you though? if yeah it is yep what a rip off so <laughs> yeah it, it yeah 
I mean, I'm I'm not going to deny that. That's it's like if you go buy the DVD set. If you have patience and wait for the DVD set, and you, I mean, you really want these things, right? So, mm-hmm. if you go and you buy this DVD set, you know, the DVD set's going to be forty bucks, and this Apple download, which is DRM connected, um, not that the DVD the, is. The you disc have is a, DRM you have to have a too. DVD. Yeah, you have to have a DVD player, but the places you can play it are. Uh, you know, you can play it a lot of places, but if you download from iTunes, you can only play it on um, Apple TV or unlocked, an iPod. Basically, know. unlocked uh, to your account. You, you get five of them. You, you have five places you can possibly play it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense to wait for the DVDs, but I, I don't claim to make sense. Going back to uh, new releases, I know noticed the new uh, John Scalzi novels out um, as an audiobook. Zoe's Tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, I really liked the first one, um, Old Man's War. I thought it was excellent. Gave it a essential status, and um, the second one was good, but it was not awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a third one, but. It's sort of eluding me right now, and there was um, there was a short short um, interstitial novel or novelette or something um, that was not that exciting. So I'm I'm wondering if this is going to be awesome or not. There's one review yeah. and it's got mm, five stars. Yeah, scalzi has got a lot of fans. That's for sure. Oh, he's he, well. He's got a great blog and. Yeah, hilarious. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I read Old Man's War in print. It was before the audiobook was out, and yeah, I did really like it. I thought it was neat. Yeah, he's he's got um, he's got uh, a lot of style in that book. Mm-hmm. It's a classic. It's a new yeah, classic. Yeah, it is. It's a classic. Fantastic book. Fantastic novel. Paul Williams wrote in from LibriVox, let me know that the uh, first trilogy, uh, as far as I know, this is the first trilogy from uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs um, to be recorded entirely by one narrator for LibriVox. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the, um, it's called the um, Car Pack, uh, I'm sorry, Cast Pack series. And I've not read uh, any of these, but they are um, pretty famous, actually. Um, it's The Land That Time Forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the second one's called Out of Time's Abyss. No, that, that's the third one. Um, second one's called The People That Time Forgot, and the third one's called Out of Time's Abyss. Right, right. And Oh, I was a huge Edgar Rice Burroughs fan when I was younger. In fact, I just yesterday ordered a, a copy of... Tarzan, because I feel like reading Tarzan from eBay mm-hmm. um, with the same cover that I had when I was a kid. Oh, you got the same one? Same one, yeah. So See, I'm you're even rebuying it. this as stuff you used to own. That's right. You, you probably are. Well, right. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Ron didn't sell it on eBay, but... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. I was like, hey, cool. I think I'm going to get it. So Why not? Yep. But you know, there are audiobook versions available. I think Tanner I know has it, them. I know it, but yeah, that's kind of a nostalgic thing. It doesn't have the original cover, so it's not... No, that's exactly right. <laughs> I see. Well, I hope... I loved, I I loved the John Carter of Mars ones, too. I had all 11 of them. I hope that it's uh, as good as you remember. Sometimes... You I'm know, sure it won't be, but uh, hopefully it'll still uh, have some read. Yeah. Yep. That one, I, I wanted to read, uh, in fact, uh, I got that one and the second one, Return of Tarzan. Those are the two that I liked. I didn't read all, I think it was 24 by Edgar Rice Burroughs. I didn't even come close to reading all of them. Of the uh, Tarzan? Yeah. Yeah, I just I read the first probably four or five, and I remember the first two I really liked, and then not so much, not so much, not so much. And I think I, I, I think some of them are just uh, short story collections, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I also, but the John Carter of Mars one, man, I you know I absolutely love those books, and I understand you know that Pixar is making um, a John Carter of Mars movie. I heard something about that. Yeah, and uh, you know I, I heard about it, and then I haven't heard anything new about it. And I went to Pixar right if you know probably you know a couple months ago. It doesn't say anything about it, so that doesn't mean anything. But um, just wait for it, dude. Don't, yep, so don't. hopefully it's true. That's what I'm saying. I don't know for sure that it's true, but hopefully it is. No, just don't don't just don't just build it up, because if it, it ends up being great, then uh, you'll be happier. Um, mm-hmm. And if it ends up being crappy, you won't be disappointed. True. Yep. But uh, it, I think John Carter of Mars is in the public domain, so you can make your own version if you really, really wanted to. <laughs> make my own movie? I yep. better do some sit-ups. And I didn't say you had to star in it. I just oh said, man! But how could I? How could I possibly hire someone to play John Carter? That's not me. Well, you could also play Deja Thoris if you really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you play all the roles: directing, starring. Mm. Right? Heck yeah! Um, I also got an email from Fred at uh, Radio Drama Revival. He's got a he's got his own production company called Final Rune Productions. And uh, they just did a um, a new radio drama that he's put on his podcast, uh, Radio Drama Revival. It's called uh, Waiting for a Window. And it's kind of interesting. I, when I first started listening to it, I, I wasn't sure that it was uh, uh, SFF Audio Bull because um, I wasn't sure if it was fantasy or science fiction. Well, I didn't know much about it before I started listening. But um, I, I described it as like... Um, a nautical version of Waiting for Godot, or like uh, uh, sort of a like the the TV show The Prisoner. Um, mm-hmm. It's very very um, well done, um, recorded in the style of um, Crazy Dog. So it's out in the field. It's not like um, recorded in studio, and it's got all the actors on not on set, but on uh, at the locations where they're recorded. So they're down at the dock, and they're on the beach. Um, they're in the bar, I guess. Um, mm. And uh, it's got William DeFries is one of the actors in it. Uh, there's a bunch of other people who I, I don't recognize uh, their names, but um, it's uh, well worth a listen. And he's got he's got it for free on his podcast, but there's a, a for-purchase, uh, higher bit rate, I guess, better quality sound version available as well. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this week I listened to uh, The Grist Mill. You know, I'm not sure how everybody's connected. Um, you, you know way better than me, but uh, the grist mill, did, did they have something to do with the radio drama revival? Um, uh, yeah, that, that's um, Fred was the guy who turned me on to uh, their, their new release of Slasher. Okay. Yeah, so they released one uh, by F. Paul Wilson called Slasher, and I was really impressed with it. It's not really science fiction. You know, it's more of a oral noir title for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard to talk about it at all without revealing stuff, so I won't. But you're going to do a um, review? Yep, I'm, I'll have a review up this week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. The acting is, is pretty good. Yeah, that's, so that's kind of cool, because when uh, when uh, you first got him in, you were like really not not super high on the idea. Of well, the, uh, I, I'm not super high, you know, it's just the problem is, you know, how many audio dramas have come through here, you know? And you just get tired of it because a lot of it's really terrible. <laughs> That's true. And it's just like, oh, you know, okay, I can either listen to this or I can listen to that, you know. And, uh, you know, when when new audio drama comes in, um, it's almost, it's a tough sell for me at this point. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad I listened to The Gristmill. I've got uh, another title by The Gristmill um, that's perfect for... Uh, it's a good October title. Um, Joe R. Lons- Lansdale's uh, The God of the Razor. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a story by Mort Castle. I don't have it in front of me. There's a story by Mort Castle on the same CD. Um, so and I can't remember the title of that. But anyway, so it's two audio dramas in an hour. And uh, I'll be doing that one next. Earlier this week... Um there was a release of um, a LibriVox ghost story collection. This is actually last last Sunday um, came out, and I spent um, 
well, it's it says three hours long. I spent about five hours listening to it. I guess I wasn't listening to it solid, uh, but I listened to all the stories in the collection, which is pretty impressive. It's ten ten stories, um, and I did a, a pretty much a tiny review of each of them, just to you know let people know what's in them because that, that's the one thing about LibriVox is they they'll do a summary for the collection, but it's really sort of a generic summary. Um, and they don't give a summary for each of the stories or at least, you know, a hint of what it's about. So I went through the collection and um, listened to it and made art for all of them. Um, and there's some sort of non-ghostly stories in it, but very uh, very fantasy or th- that sort of thing. Um, some of the ones that I'll, I'll mention right now, uh, there's three Robert Howard stories in the collection. There's two that are... Um, Solomon Kane stories. Have you read any Solomon Kane? Nope, sure haven't. Okay, well, Solomon Kane. There's going to be a new movie about uh, Solomon Kane out soon. Um, he's he's up starring you. <laughs> no, not starring me. But they could be. There could be. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite the Puritan enough uh, to to be it. But Solomon Kane's like he, he's a he's a, a Puritan uh, who wears a big you know sort of witch's style hat and he's got buckles on his boots in in all the uh, uh, comic book versions, anyways, are the covers. Uh, he's, he's got a sword and he's got a, a few pistols in his belt. And he goes around, uh, uh, I guess, righting wrongs. There's two two stories. One's called The Skull and the Stars. Um, that's where, I think, I think that's the one. Oh, no. That one, um, I can't remember that one that well. I did a little mm-hmm. tiny review. There's a, another one called Rattle of Bones. And that one is a, um, I think it must have been the first one. It's very short. Uh, Solomon Solomon Cain stops at a uh, at a black forest inn and uh, has trouble with the owner and uh, his fellow roommates. Uh, but it's a little bit of a ghost story. Um, another one that was uh, kind of cool, uh, very old old story. Um, it must have been like late 19th century, early 20th century, called uh, The Man Who Was Not on the Passenger List. That's more like a real old-style ghost story by a guy named Robert Barr. Um, uh, I wrote this little thing for it. An unaccounted-for passenger on a luxury liner is somehow tied into a strange annual payment given to a widow. A well-written, almost modernly-styled tale. Anna Simons reading Germanic-accented, but not at all displeasing. Um, yeah, it's a kind of old-fashioned ghost story uh, without, you know, having, you know, booze and, and scares. <laughs> gotcha. Um, then the one I think that's the crowning uh, piece of this collection is called Gods of the North, which has been published under a few other titles. Uh, one and the Frost King's Daughter and uh, the other one's the Frost Giant's Daughter. That's probably the way it's best known. Uh, as the Frost Giant's daughter, and this is a Conan story, which is um, kind of cool because I think this might be one of the first on LibriVox, um, and it's uh, it's really faint. It's it's sort of uh, an iconic story because it's very short, uh, twenty one minutes, but um, it's it's kind of a ghost story too, or at least a uh, you know brush with the gods sort of story, um, and well worth a listen. It's got a really good reading. Um, worth checking out great yeah I was uh, thinking you know while you were talking there about uh, you know ghost stories that I've really enjoyed in the audio drama department mm-hmm. and, um, the best ones that I've heard are from um, the CBC a series called Nightfall mm-hmm. um, which you turned me on to mm-hmm. um, you sent me a couple of cassettes of those and Oh, they're good. I remember one, um, uh, I just can't remember the title. It was uh, kind of a ghost in a room type of story, you know, where somebody was, you know, hey, you know, you, you can stay in this room overnight. If you can do that, then, mm-hmm. you know, you're a big hero or whatever. So, um, genuinely frightening radio. I mean, it was really excellent. Actually, that, that reminds me, um, I actually think there's a... A title in this collection that is basically the the forerunner of all those sort of you know you stay in the haunted room overnight and you win a prize sort of things mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's actually very similar to this new um, 
Stephen King movie that's out. I don't know if it's out on uh-huh. DVD or in the theaters. I oh, 1408? Yeah, that one. That is a good movie. Oh, you seen it? Yep. I did, yes. Okay. Is it on DVD? Yeah, or? It's, it's, it's really, it's a good scary movie, and it's uh, one of those, you know, Stephen King has had a lot of movies. You know, I'm a big Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of Stephen King movies, and they almost all stink, almost every one of them. Um, but this is one of the very few that really captures Stephen King, his style and his mannerisms, you know. Yeah, it was very, very good. I thought it was really excellent. Um, did you uh, say you saw this in theater, or is this on DVD? No, it's on DVD. Okay, so it must have been in theater earlier this year. Um, mm-hmm. The I forgot to mention this one, actually. It's uh, uh, an H.G. Wells story uh, from um, a long time ago. It's called The Red Room, and it, mm-hmm. I'll read the description I gave for it. Um, from the 19th century comes one of the most copied stories of the modern 20th and 21st centuries. The Red Room illustrates the internal human conflict between rationality and the irrational fear of the unknown. The protagonist spends the night in a haunted room in, a, in an isolated castle in an effort to debunk the legend surrounding it. Um, and that's what it is. You know, a guy goes to a, a castle and he goes into the room um, saying, you know, I'm going to disprove that there's any ghosts in here? I'll win a prize, uh, you know, some money or whatever um, mm-hmm. by doing so. And uh, of course, he he doesn't last the night uh, as he intends. Yeah. So you say it's a good movie? Yeah, it's really an excellent movie. Okay. It really is. Um, yeah. It's. I also mentioned in the description. Um, that 1408 is from the audiobook collection Blood and Smoke. Is it not a um, is it not a paper book as well? Um, Blood and Smoke. You would know it, it is. I, I think it was in um, it was in one of his collections. I, I don't recall which one it was. Um, yeah, it's not coming to mind. I have not read it in print, and in fact, I haven't even heard the story on audio. Hmm. That's unusual. Yeah. Maybe it's time to order it. I almost I listen to almost everything Stephen King's done. You know, he's one of the you know because of his status and he likes audiobooks. You know, to begin with. Um, so early on, you know, when people were publishing abridgments of everything, he was able to insist that his stuff not be abridged, mm-hmm. even though a lot of people would say he should be. <laughs> anyway, so but his uh, the audiobook versions of his novels were so good. I mean, they always had a really excellent reader. And uh, anyway, I, I stopped at purchasing his books and was only getting audio, um, you know, a long, long time ago. It says, um, so, uh, I'm looking it up on Wikipedia, it says, uh, Blood and Smoke uh, is from 1999. It's mm-hmm. an audiobook where Stephen King reads three of his own short stories. At the time, he said that the two stories which hadn't been published would be, however, all three were published in Everything's Eventual, 14 Dark Tales. Collection. That's what it is, yeah. Um, and then it says, all three stories Blood and, uh, in Blood and Smoke are about smoking in one way or another. The tape or CD came in a box that is designed to look like a cigarette box, including the flip top. Um, mm. And then it shows the short story, says, Lunch at the Gotham Cafe, 1408, and In the Death Room. From Simon & Schuster. Uh, I was telling uh, Steen the other day that um, uh, there's I saw, spotted a story on Boing Boing that I thought was kind of interesting. It's kind of related to fear and, and you know fear of the dark. Um, mm-hmm. It's called the Ellsberg paradox. It's like a you can read more about it on Wikipedia, but there's um uh, it's really interesting. So here's the premise: uh, there are two large urns placed in front of you. The urns are completely opaque, so you can't see either of their contents. The urn on the left contains 10 black marbles and 10 white ones. The urn on the right contains 20 marbles, but you do not know the proportion of black to white. Now, the game is to draw a black marble from one of the urns. If you're successful, you win $100. You only have one chance, so which urn will you draw from? The urn on your left has 50-50. The urn on your right is an unknown. 
I'd have to go with the one on the left, probably. Of course. Now, keep your answer in mind, and we're going to play again. Now, uh, the game is to draw white marble. You only have one chance. Which urn will it be? Boy, still, still the left. Right. Most people confronted with these choices choose the urn on the left. Mm-hmm. The one on the of the unknown proportions of black and white marbles uh, is not chosen, and therein lies the paradox. If you choose the left-hand urn while trying to pull a black marble, that means you think your chances are better for that urn. But because there are only two colors in both urns, the odds of pulling a white must be complementary to the odds of pulling a black. Logically, if you thought the left-hand urn was a better choice for the black marble, the right-hand urn should be a better choice for the white marble. The fact that most people avoid the right-hand urn altogether suggests that people have an inherent fear of the unknown. Hmm. It's uh, also called. No, I, don't, I wouldn't have called that fear, though. <laughs> it's also called the ambiguity aversion. Um, uh-huh. Uh Are you sure? Are you sure you wouldn't call that fear? Yeah, no. It's just like, well, you've got a fifty-fifty chance of pulling either the black or the white marble, and you have no idea what your chances are in the other one. One of the but I wasn't. One of the people said, uh, "It's is it fear or is it wariness?" Right? You, you, we're doing this with a not a stick. We're doing this with a carrot, right? But imagine mm-hmm. um, choosing the wrong marble color is an electric shock. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then which one are you? Why are you cheer, uh, choosing which one? Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't choose the left one because I thought you had a better chance of getting a black marble. You know, you, it's because you have no idea what's in the right one. That's so right. You don't have any you idea know that you've got a fifty-fifty shot in the left. Right, but why do you think that the right-hand marble, that right-hand urn, is out to get you? No, it's not out to get me. It could. It could be a zero percent chance, or it could be completely full. Could be. Yeah. Right, but the point is, is a fifty-fifty chance on the left is an assured chance, right? What if the one one on the right has uh, all of uh, all of the color you're looking for? Mm-hmm. But it's that's a complete unknown. But so you want to you want to trade a fifty-fifty shot for an unknown? Yeah, it's uh, but the point is, is that the, they should be um, relatively neutral unless. You you decide at some point to start choosing the one on the right, right? If you're if you're picking from the left for the for the white color, then why are you picking from the left for the black color? Because it's fifty fifty no matter what, and the other side it could be zero. It know? could be zero, but mm-hmm. it could be a hundred. It could. Why be, are you, yeah. why why are you saying the glass is half full? When that glass could be half empty, right? Well, the point yeah. is, the point is, is people are afraid of the unknown. Um, it, I think that it's really interesting because it seems to illustrate that in, because everybody chooses the same way, or at least everybody I've explained this this to mm-hmm. chooses the, the one on the left. It's it's because they think that you know it, it's a safer bet, but it's not a safer bet. <laughs> unless you unless you bet. think I'm trying to trick you by you know Yeah, I guess yeah, it depends on the guy filling the urns. That's right. But these are theoretical urns. They're not even real urns. So ah. why why would we assume that they're, you know and and yeah. you know, the, it's just crazy because it, it, the, I think it's a really interesting um little phenomenon. And I just think about you know you uh you're not afraid of a room that's full of light. You're afraid of a room that's full of dark or shadow. Mm-hmm. Right? This is why little kids want to have a nightlight. They don't sure. they don't want a nightlight because because uh they're afraid of the light. They're they want a nightlight cuz they're afraid of the dark. And it's not right. like the dark room is full of things that are different from the light room. It's just that Knowing could is more important <laughs> than anything else, and it, it's right. it's sort of like it could be a you know a survival instinct, right? You you sure. when you're sleeping in the cave, you want you want to have a little fire going because right, it right. just not just keeps you warm, it keeps the, the beasts away that are outside your door mm-hmm. lurking. You bet, right? Right. 
Um, it comes to, uh, there's the, my, my favorite, uh, Lovecraft's short story is called The Statement of Randolph Carter. And, uh, it gets all its power, not from what you see, but from what you imagine, right? Mm-hmm. There's two guys, they, they, it's, it's told in past tense, uh, in the form of a, of a statement to the police. Um, and what the one guy, Randolph Carter, is explaining that, uh, he doesn't remember the events that clearly, but he, in his best recall, uh, they went out to the uh, cemetery, this cemetery that nobody can find, um, opened up a uh, a tomb in the in the earth, and his friend climbed down there, um, carrying a, uh, a portable telephone on a on a reeled cord, and uh, he climbed down into the earth. And um, when he got down there, something happened. Uh, we don't know what happened, but whatever it is is frightening and horrible um because we don't know what happened but it's horrible oh. it's really horrible and the <laughs> the better your imagination the more horrific it is if you mm-hmm. don't have any imagination you know it's why well, what what's going on down there <laughs> but if you have a, a you know an an interesting imagination you're you're saying what the hell's down there right <laughs> well nothing because it's a it's a short story and it's not a real story but um, it still gives you the creeps because it's your imagination. Not knowing is much more scary than knowing. Knowing, you know, knowing uh, what your guts look like um, is is scary. But not knowing is much more scary when uh, <laughs> when you know you're looking for the shark in in Jaws. Um, not knowing where the shark is is much scarier than seeing the shark's fin. Right. That's true. Yep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the statement of Randolph Carter, is that included in one of those uh, audio realms? Y- yes, volumes? it is. Um, cool. Yep. Yep. Read by, uh, uh, I was going to say Fred Godsmark, but that's not right. Yeah. Wayne, Wayne June. Wayne June. Yep. Yep. 